0: Hello and welcome to this week's episode of No Such Thing As A Fish it is good friday and what does that mean well it means you probably have a day off work and it means we're going to have a little day off as well because we have got for you this week the second half of our live show compilation this is loads of bits from all of our live shows uh, bits that were too good to go in the original edit frankly too funny too stupid too silly too getting the facts wrong too much audience interaction we begin with um an extremely keen audience and end with let's say a less keen audience you've got that to look forward to in between loads and loads of facts loads and loads of fun i really hope you enjoy this and we'll be back with a normal episode of no such thing as a fish next week for now though on with the podcast
1: such thing as a fish, a weekly podcast this week, coming to you live
2: from Dublin.
1: My name is Dan Schreiber. I am sitting here with Anna Tashinsky. Andrew Haramur, Andrew Hunter Murray and Jane Harkin. And once again, we have gathered around that microphone with our four favorite facts from the last seven days. and in that particular order, here we go Starting with fact number one. OK, Fucking calm hell. the fuck down, everyone.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's 7pm. <laughs> Starting with fact number one, and that is Andy. My fact is... <clears throat> <clears throat>
0: you had all that time to prepare.
2: <laughs> oh. Oh. One, two... No, it's still gone. Wow, all right, well... Uh... Time for fact no, number two, and off. that... <clears throat>
1: I remember my friend, I think I told you guys once, claimed that he was, he was at a festival and he claimed one night after being missing the whole night, came back, he said, I had an amazing sleep last night, I found a pillow that I used, it was a soft rock and everyone's like, what? He was like, I swear to God, I slept on a soft rock. It was the softest rock ever. <laughs> no one believed him, and he talked about it for all morning. And he eventually said, I'm sick of taking crap for this. I'm going to show you the soft rock. So he took everyone to the field that he, that he fell asleep in, and he went, there, there's the soft rock. And what they discovered was it was a hardened cow pat <laughs> that <laughs> was shell-like, and it just slightly dented yeah. to the shape of his head when he <laughs> laid on it.
0: He was like, oh, That's the, so, it's it's like the shroud of Turin of this guy's face it? <laughs>
3: yeah. I thought that was going to be a convoluted joke where he led you to the field and the eagles were playing as he went to sleep but no that will put you to sleep <laughs>
1: Tell everyone what happened to you the other day when you opened
2: up your door and you were wearing a no such thing as a fish t-shirt. Oh, I was, we- I was wearing a, I've got a, a uh, yeah fish uh, hoodie, and I opened the door. There was a guy from Amazon, and he um, he said no such thing as a fish. I like that, and I said, oh, do you listen? And he said, no, I, I, no, what? And he just said, I keep fish. And I thought <laughs> that's good. <laughs> and I- Uh, oh, yeah. And he said, what is it? I said, it's nothing. Shut up, go away.
0: <laughs> if, you, um, if, you use, if you kind of make plot plants and put plants in pots, um, you can die, there was someone who died quite recently, um, in the last 10 years, of a brain-eating amoeba um, that they caught from a pot plant. But don't let the name worry you. It's actually not a true amoeba. It's a shape-shifting amiibo flagellate excavate.
3: There's a woman who has made a website. She's called... I've actually only written down her first name, which is Avril. So find her. Um, She's... Oh, no, she's called Avril Shepherd, sorry. And she's made a website of every single weird festival in Britain. And she has gone to as many as she possibly can. She's been doing 10, 11 years... So And she's gone and personally reviewed them. And so you can click on any day of the year and get every single weirdo festival. So I was, in, uh, I was in February. I got to late February. And I was reading about the Rhubarb Festival in Wakefield, where you can get a tour of the forcing sheds, which is where they force rhubarb, which I always think is a really aggressive term for what is just quite an innocu- innocuous thing to do. And so I was reading about the Rhubarb Festival. I thought I won't go to that. And then in March, there's the Slathwaite Moonraking Festival, and this is related to this legend in this place uh, where basically the locals tried to fish the moon out of the lake, but they didn't really. They just did it to trick the locals, Google it, uh, <laughs> to trick trick the police. Anyway, this moon waking festival is a huge deal, very exciting. And Avril was like, it's brilliant. It's so fun. There's a big parade through the streets. There's a b- moon arriving by barge. I did go in 2013, although no one turned up that year because all the moonrakers had defected to the rhubarb festival at Wakefield. Oh. <laughs> Can't be that fucking good, Avril.
0: <laughs> he had been an absolute millionaire because yep. of all these artichokes he was selling. Three or four years later, he was gone, completely penniless. And that was just, like, one week's work by LaGuardia. Wow.
2: Yeah. Hey. Sorry? He was Artie Broke, I believe, was the uh, submission from the. Very nice, very nice indeed.
3: Definitely worth it, that. Well done. (laughs) (laughs) Good choice.
2: (laughs) This guy knows our level. Come on. That was good
3: news. <laughs> uh, but apparently in their breaks, uh, this lady, this MI5 employee said, the girl guide retires to her attractive little sitting room where she converses on high topics with her friends. Yeah. She said that they um, would... Be, so they took their jobs very seriously, as you can imagine, and she said their function is to snub you when you seek to penetrate beyond the sacred portals of their office. And then... <laughs> <laughs> I, I, think that's,
1: I think snubbing is called for under those circumstances. Crikey. Can you say that again? The portals of their office?
3: If you seek to penetrate through the portals of their office, and if you're hearing anything other than a metaphor there, then that is your problem and not the girl
2: guides. (laughs) No, it sounds like Stargate. (laughs) I have, um, I read a little about the Texas Mosquito Festival just because they've got a a mascot, you know, someone in a huge mosquito uh, costume. The name of the mascot is Willy Manchu. What?
3: Willy... Willy
2: Manchu. That's funny. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Well, Manchu, I get.
3: Oh, yeah. Willy Manchu. Yes, he will. Is the mosquito pantomime? Wait, wait, what?
0: What? What is he Yoda? Well...
3: What kind of sentence <laughs>
0: structure? I is just that? found another level on that joke. Yeah. Honestly, I was just thinking the word Willy's quite funny. Yeah. <laughs>
3: talked before about um, how you attract bees to sort of make them sit on you. And you do it by hanging the queen bee next to your face basically. Oh, in a little bee cage. Is? Yeah, and so they have a festival to see who can wear the most bees. And it's pretty impressive.
1: <sighs> That's seriously impressive because getting a queen bee is quite hard because there's a lot of bees to work out which one she is, right, to begin with. I like... think it's
0: quite obvious which one the queen is. Yeah, is she's it? Got she's got a, a massive crown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh <No. laughs> <laughs> 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 so no, what, what, not yeah. everything not oh. everything makes it into the final edit yeah.
2: <laughs> that goes into the legally contentious outtakes file <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> although it got such a big laugh it may just have to stay I think yeah. it's got to
1: stay Yeah. yeah.
2: anyway wow. um, Uh,
3: Be-wearing, be-wearing.
2: Be-wearing, Yeah. Can
1: we just take a
2: second just to (laughs) let everyone recover? Move on
3: from uh, libelous claims that definitely will never make it to air. Um...
2: (laughs) Sometimes they have spies in the competitions, which is incredibly exciting. Uh, Sometimes. It's happened vanishingly rarely. But in 1988, there was a woman called Michelle Anderson who infiltrated Miss California. This was so cool. (laughs) That's (laughs) disgusting.
0: Sorry, Was
2: that the talent round? She secretly <laughs> entered Miss California. I got it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, she, she had been trying to get into a few different beauty pageants so that she could basically make a feminist statement. And uh, she'd, she'd done badly. She'd failed a few times. She never thought she was especially good-looking or anything like this. But she realised that you, it, what they were looking for, in effect. And so she did months of dieting, training, tanning, feigning the beliefs, you know, really giving the impression that she was a fully paid-up member of this thing. And then, at at Miss California, she was in the absolute final. And seconds before the winner was announced, she got a silk banner out from her cleavage and unfurled it to say, pageants hurt all women, and started waving it around as then was wrestled off stage. But she'd been through months and months and months of kind of deep cover training to get to this point. That's like Miss Congeniality, isn't it? It is like Miss Congeniality, (laughs) which is a fucking good film.
3: It is it's an it's amazing so
2: film yeah so good Sandra Bullock. And they, and there's definitely no sequel um <laughs> rubbish have you guys heard of uh, yuichiro miura no, no. so he is a sportsman he's japanese he was the oldest person in the world to climb mount everest he climbed at age 70 then five years after that he did it again at the age of 75 he started again at the age of 80
3: I've this guy he, and he keeps breaking his own record doesn't he, like 80, 85 and 90 yeah, yeah. and that always reminds me of, you know, when you do video games and you race your own ghost from the previous time that you set a record and I, you know, do you Which guys know? Which one's that? Which
1: game's that? Like, I, I feel like, like I, I do Like in Racing
3: know. you do that, uh, you so you've you set, you set a record, yeah, okay? You
1: check, it's, I think it's one player mode, Anna. <laughs> I
3: mean, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes my friends didn't want to come around.
0: Oh, <laughs> I like the way that it's like, you know when you play video games, you only played one video game and it's Diddy Kong Racing. Yeah. Yeah. And video games have moved on quite a bit since then.
3: Is there no more racing your own ghost?
0: Look, this that. guy,
3: he's 150. He knows what I'm talking about. He remembers Diddy Kong. And he, I just like to think that you're up Everest and you're overtaking your own ghost. And then it uh, overtakes you. Wouldn't that be cool?
0: Yeah, yeah. that'd be good.
3: But that's not what happens at it. <laughs>
1: Remember I did that with a fish gig? No. Uh, we had to email everyone coming to the gig saying, sorry, the te- the time has changed for the gig. What? And for some reason, you idiots let me do it. And I you CC'd. I CC'd everyone at the gig, yeah. And it was just after there was this whole movement about, you know, people's privacy or stuff. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah, It was yeah. literally like the fucking next day after that happened. It's not and...
3: it wasn't a movement, it was a law. Um <laughs> and... <Yeah. laughs>
1: horrific i thought yeah i thought i was going to jail it
3: was scary welsh droving was a huge deal wasn't Mm -hmm. it because basically lots of animals farmed in wales not that many animals farmed or not as many in the center of england um where there was lots more wealthy people sadly in medieval and pre-industrial times who wanted to buy all the meat from wales so the huge droving industry and the thing i love the most is that there's between anglesey and wales there's the menai strait which is well, it's a straight, and at its, at its thinnest, it's a straight. Great.
2: Um, yeah, but confusingly, it's a bit wiggly. So.
3: Yes, yeah, yeah, it's not a straight straight. I never said that. It's about 200 metres wide, and it's narrowest, and at that point, drovers would not only drive, they would swim castle, and so, and pigs. And so they jump in the water with the castle and the pigs, and they all swim them over. Now I don't know how you heard, you know, eight hundred pigs while you're also trying to swim across two hundred meters of quite fast-flowing water, but they did it until they, 1826. They did
2: it, and they did it in their pajamas, and they got a brick from the bottom of the pool. <laughs> at the, so it was very wow. impressive, yeah. <laughs> that was yeah. Swimming proficiency was tougher in those days. <laughs> was.
0: What do you reckon is the most unread emails anyone's got? Or had. Oh, Ah. you see their
2: pictures on, you know, uh, 100,000, you know. No, more than that.
0: There's millions. 4,294,967,257 unread emails. A guy called Joey Manansala See. from America.
2: It's Boris Johnson. They're all from Sue Gray saying, where are you? <laughs> Need talk now.
0: <laughs> uh, but apparently if you don't reply, if you like leave a lot of emails in, unread in your email thing, it means that you're, you might be well adjusted. And the reason being that the emails are from someone else wanting you to do something. So if you're doing the things that are important to you instead of the things that are important to other people, it might be that you've got the balance right.
3: Oh. Is that getting the balance right, always doing things that are important to you rather than things that are important I'll to other to people? I'm trying to
0: help you
3: here, Anna. <laughs> 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 you know, in that election uh, that with the elected Churchill in 51, yep. do you know that the Labour government in that election got a more votes, more people's votes, than in any winning or losing party in any election before or until 1992? So the Labour government, Labour, sorry, Labour got more of the popular vote than the Tories, which does sometimes happen, as we know. Um, but the Tories won. But isn't that extraordinary? They got more votes than anyone had ever got
0: before mm. and lost it. Yeah. It's
3: a kick in the face. You might as well have got none. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the first parody I found of Conan Doyle was an article in the newspaper um, by someone called Donan Coyle <laughs> in 1888. This was in a newspaper in Portsmouth. And what happened was, this was really early in Conan Doyle's time, he had written a, an article called On the Geographical Distribution of British Intellect. And he came up with this theory that people who lived in the South were really good at poetry, music, and art, and people who lived in the North were really good at theology, science, and engineering. Okay, Makes but, sense,
3: because in the north, you're closer to God. <laughs> you suck up. <laughs> <laughs> it's just higher up, isn't it?
0: <laughs> but when you read the article, Conan Doyle's original, it's, he's really throwing us, that There's a bit of a bone. He's basically <laughs> saying how great the south is. Okay. And so this person, who was Donan and Coyle, wrote um, about Hampshire. And he said, because Hampshire's so far south, he said, the soot in Hampshire is smuttier than any other soot. The grass of Hampshire is greener than jealousy itself. The cats of Hampshire are paragons of cats. They catch more mice, breed more kittens, purr more softly than any other cats in creation. The fleas of Hampshire are the finest fleas of the species. They are more bloodthirsty, have greater powers of suction, skip more nimbly, and are caught less easily than any other fleas in Britain. Well, so this, I still
3: don't want to visit Hampshire based on this. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I want the smuttiest soot. What? Is that soot that watches porn?
1: No.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, yeah, I was reading about this amazing woman called uh, Mieko Nagaoka, who has just retired, actually, from a swimming career, which has been a 25-year-long swimming career, and she broke 18 world records, and she started swimming in her early 80s so she's 100, no. 100, no. 100, wait a hundred wait a minute she must
0: have won beaten world records of her age group
3: uh no just fastest in the world 89 <laughs> <Swimming>. yeah, yeah <Right. laughs> yeah I think of her age group um and she's pretty cocky about it she uh published a book aged 100 the title of which was the catchy I'm a hundred years old and the world's best active swimmer
0: wow wow so cool.
3: impressive stuff But, yeah, she has retired now. Because at 105, 106, you've got to spend some time with your family.
2: (laughs) (laughs) There was a
0: famous guy called Chris Robinson. He was kind of a little bit famous. He was in a soap opera in America called General Hospital. He played Dr. Rick Weber. uh, And he invested around $100,000 in Beanie Babies, which is basically all of his kids' college money. Uh, And he went completely... He lost every penny. uh, But on the plus side, he does now have 20,000 Beanie Babies. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
3: what a a huge comfort that must be given his children don't speak to him anymore so presumably he can't even give the grandchildren the Beanie Babies
1: (laughs) he used to take his kids to McDonald's in order to get the Beanie Babies and one of their friends one of their buddies had to go to hospital because they were feeling so sick off the amount of McDonald's that Chris (laughs) Robertson and the kids speculate that he wasn't sick he just was so sick of actually eating the McDonald's he would rather be in hospital than he would be at another McDonald's righty
3: you don't have to eat all the Happy Meals. This is a bit like what, at Christmas, we hide coins in the Christmas pudding, and it's to incentivize you to eat it, and you have to eat all the pudding before you get the coin. But was he doing a similar thing? You don't, did McDonald's say you have to eat the Happy Meal? We've
2: hidden the beanie baby in the <laughs> heart of the burger.
0: <laughs> kiddlywink wink was also a word for a child. Kidly wink. Yeah, yeah kidly wink. No, but supposedly, Kiddly wink
1: wasn't just like a, a cute name it was someone who had su- there was someone who suggested a kiddly wink um the kiddly wink bars that open and his name was Kidley wink come on dan first name kiddly second name wink yeah that's the story
3: hang on so sorry, sorry what was a Kidley wink a, a bar
1: yeah they were places you would go for alcohol so a, a,
2: an alcohol shop and they were opened and by so someone
3: who was called kiddly a kiddly, kiddly wink wink,
2: wink. yeah In yeah the way- but you got like not Sains- believe it sainsbury's is named after someone called sainsbury yeah. It's not crazy. There might be someone called Mr. Yeah. Kidney <laughs> <week. laughs> And also Meatloaf, who's passed away, turns out it's
1: Meat Loaf. It's, it's to Mr. Loaf. That's his second yeah. name.
0: Yeah, but it's, he didn't invent well, the Meatloaf. Still, no. That's well, no, the but thing.
1: the Meatloaf is obviously one word, right? And right. I always thought Meatloaf was one word. It's not. It's Meat lo- Mr. Loaf. Mr. I didn't Mr. M. Loaf. No. Yeah.
3: Hang on. So, did his parents call him Meat?
1: No, it's not his real name. <laughs> oh. <laughs>
2: But he decided with the pseudonym... It's his real he... surname. He was born Pete Loat. Yeah, yeah. And, uh... <laughs> um,
3: just quickly, on the drink, Porter... Um, you know, the, the drink, a porter. Bit of an old-fashioned one, but it does come from being a drink for porters. And it was because in, like, London porters that were a huge deal until the end of the 19th century when everything completely changed. Um, and they used to get so many of their calories from beer. So it was estimated that in the 18th century, a manual worker would get about 2,000 calories a day that they needed in their working life from beer. And all pubs would have benches outside with tables next to them for the porters to dump their stuff on, and um, they would have an initiation ritual. There's a, a thing in the Ship Tavern, which uh, people might know. It's near Lincoln's Fields in London, near Holborn, And that was where the porters' union would always hang out and they go to pick up their pay and everything. And the initiation ritual when someone became a porter was that you'd have the badge of office dropped into a mug of strong ale and you had to extract it with your teeth without spilling any.
0: Cool. Yeah. Well, you
2: had to get it out of a thing of ale without spilling any well I think you would
0: drink the drink and then at the bottom you kind of get it with your mouth right
2: I was thinking you had to like bob for it in a pint (laughs) glass but not get any beer out of the glass I think they just didn't make glasses like that no one's face is that shape
0: (laughs) (laughs) I I live for the day that you're on Taskmaster Andy (laughs) 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 drink this This glass glass of beer beer. I'm just shoving my face in it I don't know what to do
2: so um, did you hear that in 2012 (laughs) no it's too stupid scientists at the University of Manchester made a magic carpet which is very exciting Yeah, 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 yeah. not a classic magic carp they made
0: one which that's can, the name of a Pokemon, do you know? Is it? Magikarp, yeah. Is it, does it have a magic carpet? No, it's like a pathetic little fish that flops around. <laughs> can it fly? Uh, no, it can s- barely swim. Why is it called Magikarp, like Magic Carpet? Because it's like a carp, but it's magic. I understand. Every day's a school day.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is reminding me of my school days a lot. But <laughs> well, I also knew jack shit about Pokemon. Um, <laughs> We've got to move on in a second to our next fact. Uh, I've, just what, got, what, I've got one other thing that's banned in uh, New York. It's oh. that, you know, this is yeah. about Baby I So, in 1974, nunchucks were banned in New York. Sounds reasonable. Well, it, maybe, but it's the home of the Ninja Turtles, and you'd think <laughs> that would have some play. Uh, yeah. Not in
0: 1974, it wasn't. yeah. A good point, but... And sure also,
1: they're always... The police are always after the Ninja Turtles, so... Are they? They're not, are they? Yeah. I didn't think...
2: I, I, I'm
1: they're, not... think i am not they you know, they're doing it without permission of the, of the police... For, let's I just keep, didn't going, think, keep going, going. Okay, okay, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah.
2: But basically, the, this, this ban lasted for more than 40 years, and it was struck down in 2018, so nunchucks are now allowed in New York. Great news, if you're yeah. planning to go... <laughs> Yay. Yeah. Um, but they were struck down thanks to one guy, one nunchuck nut called James Maloney, who loved his nunchucks and had been arrested in 1981 for doing a public demonstration. And he went to court saying he wanted them and the judge said, okay, I think you're fine. And James Maloney's argument was basically these are so crap that they're not a proper threat to life and limb. He said, if you're going to commit a crime, your weapon of choice would not be these two sticks. And the judge agreed and lifted the ban.
3: Wow! It's wow. a heartening
2: story of citizen power to get nunchucks. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's cool.
3: I'd be so suspicious if if someone has borne that grudge for 40 years. I'd be thinking, I bet there's got to be something dangerous about these things. I have
1: nunchucks. Um, I made some myself. Cause oh, I, in, you
3: made some? Yeah, well, because
1: in, in Hong Kong I did karate as a kid and I learned nunchucks and I always thought they were a really cool thing. And so you know how sometimes people keep a thing by the bed just in case a robot. A glass Robert, of water, a Robert, yeah. <laughs> No, like a, you know, a to,
2: book, a, a bedside to, protect, lamp.
1: to protect yourself and your family. So I keep nunchucks Box by the t- side t- of my bed. Okay. Yeah, and okay. when I was... When I was dating um, my now wife, there was a night where she thought someone broke into the house and then we heard the door go. And I leapt up out of bed and I grabbed the nunchucks and I stood on the bed with the nunchucks looking at the door. Still on the bed. And Fenella was so confused by that (laughs) that we forgot about the possible robber and just had a chat about why are you holding nunchucks (laughs) on the bed? And... It was because I was saving our lives. That's the answer. Um... Wow.
3: The robber heard at the door and went, I'm not getting involved in this. <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs>
1: I'm out, guys. It's cool.
3: Um... Oh, just another a silly Japanese saying yeah, that no. um, my friend told me. So my friend's actually making a documentary in Japan in, like, rice paddy fields in the middle of nowhere. And, she was, and she's Japanese, but she came across a saying that she'd never heard of when she was talking to a guy who was helping his neighbour plough his field. And so she said, why well, are you doing that? He's your neighbour. And he said said um, it's very important it's my duty you must never forget your duty or your fundoshi and your fundoshi is like um, it's like the pants that sumo wrestlers wear it's like a very oh. old fashioned kind of pants like a loincloth thing that's cool and so she said well uh, that's a weird saying what's that I was like yeah, yeah yeah it's an old saying you know, if, and he's this really sombre, and she's filmed he's this very serious, very dry, doesn't really say anything, old guy. And he just said, ''Yeah, if you don't have your fundoshi, everyone can see your willy!'' <laughs> 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 That's a great saying. <laughs> <laughs> Your duty is just the same.
1: <laughs> I read this cool story. A guy called Steve Robertson, he bought a house in 2018 and the tenant was still living on the property. So the tenant then moved out in 2019, and Steve tried to claim 5166 dollars off of the, um, the old tenant um, because he said that in the time between him buying and the tenant leaving, the tenant had moved a 10-ton rock onto the property. And he was like, I didn't buy this rock. I don't know why it's here. And she said, well, I, I didn't put this rock there. This was always there. You just didn't see the massive 10-ton rock. He said, <laughs> I think I would have seen a 10-ton rock. Yeah. And so she produced photos from 2016 saying, here's the 10-ton rock. And he said, mm, I'm pretty sure you hired a crane. To... So he denied the evidence. He claimed that she hired a crane that, once having sold the house, then imported a 10-ton rock Onto the property for no good reason whatsoever, other than to maybe just I don't know play How a prank. How did she on him. prove
2: that a photo of the rock on the premises was from 2016? Well, I guess if of... a... was she reading a copy of a 2016 newspaper with a recognizable <laughs> event, like well, I, I guess don't know, on know, like let like Leicester win the Premiership or whatever, with the rock in the background. No, because there's time stamping on a lot of
1: digital photos. Yep, that's these a better days. idea. Good point. And good that's... point. <laughs>
3: Wait, whose side are we on? I don't know who's right.
1: I think she's right, because she's got evidence there was a massive 10-ton rock on the property that he bought.
3: No, but why would he have not seen the rock?
1: Okay,
2: I don't know why you're on his side. (laughs) 2016 was the year of Brexit and Trump, and I picked, as an event that happened in it, Leicester winning the Premiership. I don't even like football.
0: (laughs) I actually think the only thing I'll remember is this rock story. (laughs) Did
3: you read about this story? In 2018, there was a court where the jury had to read all 218 pages of a book called Behind the Artichokes. (laughs) Okay. And this apparently... So the judge in this case said they thought it was the first time since Lady Chatterley's lover that the jury had been asked to read an entire book to decide on a case... The case in this instance was basically this massive round between three sisters, uh, and this this woman Gillian Leaden had written this book behind the artichokes, laying into her other two sisters, accusing them of stealing from their mother and abusing their mother, which it wow. seems like they weren't. And she sent this book to the vicar and to the <laughs> local councillors and you know to every man and his dog. And he had to decide who was in the wrong. Then the entire jury had to sit down and read "Behind the Artichokes," self-published. Book and it contains apparently it contains details of one of the sisters' bowel movements. So,
0: <laughs> wow,
3: <laughs> calls the other sister a hippopotamus. So, Thank you. and I don't know where it stands in the Lady Chatterley's Lover sort of <laughs> hierarchy, but
0: maybe it's worth. Doesn't a read. sound quite as sexy, does it? Um, you've definitely
2: not you've buried you've buried the lead if it's as sexy as Lady Chatterley's <laughs> Lover.
0: I think it depends what
3: you're into. You know, I've I've got ten copies. (laughs) (laughs) A Nobel Prize went to these guys called Paul Lauterboer and Peter Mansfield in 2003 for developing MRI technology, basically. But there's a guy called Raymond Damadian who says that he invented it and he should have got the Nobel. And it caused this huge ruckus. I mean... Often there's a lot of people involved in scientific discoveries, various bits of the process. The Nobel Committee decided Peter and Paul, maybe because it's biblical, uh, they should get it because they contributed the most. And Raymond, immediately after the Nobel Prize was awarded, took out a series of full-page ads in the New York Times, the Washington Post, and the LA Times that cost him hundreds of thousands of dollars all saying things like "shameful wrong" that must be righted. You know, a person who invented MRI robbed of their Nobel Prize. They did what they did, fully knowing the evil of what they were doing.
1: Wow. Ah. The main reason he didn't get it is there's there are different innovations that happened. Uh, it's the MRI scanner that was given the Nobel Prize. He was part of the MR scanning, I believe that's right. And so, yeah. So he's but he's very pissed off. And yeah.
3: What's the uh- the M- MRI, the I is for imaging. So he just did a scan, but he didn't tell anyone what he
2: saw. But you haven't... Is that... there, is, there is an even more advanced version, the MRI eye scanner, but that's only for sailors and pirates at the moment. So that's... <laughs> Jesus
1: Christ. It's time for our final fact of the show, and that is my fact. My fact this week is that when leaving the Norwegian military, soldiers must now hand over their used underpants and socks for the next recruit to wear. Well, it used to be that you would give every other bit of clothing back. Oh, but um, you got to
2: keep the pants. Yeah, you kept your pants and
1: socks. As but a then, yeah, yeah, but then, you know, it's been a hard time in the pandemic and they haven't been able to get yeah. their hands on extra
2: more, underwear. More so... like a pants, <laughs> that's what I'm hearing.
0: Oh, come on, Andy. Give I me don't know break. why I keep doing this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
2: trying to make the edit hard for you. <laughs> Sorry. Woodpeckers are just
0: storing
1: more and more of these acorns. They will use sometimes not just trees, but there's a lot of wooden lampposts around there. And, and they'll find that, and they won't notice it necessarily to begin with. People who work, they'll just find the lamppost is acting a bit weird. And they will be storing it all the way through their people's houses if they the have. Lamp- wood-
3: Sorry, was a, what is a weird acting lamppost? <laughs> <laughs> Darling, I think the lamppost looked at <laughs> me pretty funny today. <laughs> 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 Start saying some freaky shit.
1: Yeah, good yeah. point. I mean, it's... Yeah, um, so then the other thing I was going to say was the <laughs> houses as well. Like, a lot of people's houses, yeah. they are garages and so on, and there's a professor who was asked about it, saying, what can we do? Surely there's, like, some kind of, like you know, bear piss that we can put around here. Do you, you know how you buy on... We bought yeah, some no, off no, Amazon no, yeah, the other day. It was really weird. Did yeah. There was foxes around our area, and, and someone went, you should get some uh, tiger piss and bear piss, and you can buy that. Did so, you buy it? Well, we've bought some, but it hasn't arrived yet. But, yeah, it's...
0: They're still milking the tiger, aren't they? <laughs>
1: <laughs> but so like you would think there would be stuff that you could use but um walter koenig who's a senior scientist at cornell lab of ornithology was asked about it and his advice was you've got a simple three-point plan move out of your house bulldoze it and rebuild it in stucco which what's stucco i should have read up what that word is
3: like a building material that's not wood great yes <laughs> Um, yeah, it was but kind of you Checks out. Yeah. If you don't want to flatten your home, I have read that you can tie helium balloons uh, around the area that's being oh, salted nice.
0: oh, wow. And lift uh, the house away. Yeah, like, like up.
2: Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I think it puts them off the colours. It ruins the aesthetic of a house. It looks like you've constantly got a tacky children's birthday party going on.
2: <laughs> or a cool adult birthday party. Mm. Sure. Do you want to hear the most underpants anyone's ever had on? Most, <laughs> most pairs of underpants. Yeah. Oh, yeah okay. Yeah. Have a guess. Uh, okay,
0: well, um, the other day we were talking and we found out the maximum number of socks that anyone's wore on one foot. Yep. Yes, Can which you remember
1: was... remember how that was, done? I It was 152, but then I think someone broke the record by putting on 180, so... So
0: 180 socks. I reckon mm-hmm. it would be similar for pants. Okay. 180 pairs of pants. Um, yeah. I'll tell
1: you. Uh, wouldn't... The, hang on. I'm going to say... <laughs> I'm going to say 280. Anna? Oh, I'm
3: going to say um, 98.
2: Thank you. Anyone? No-one cares. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'll put us all out of our misery. 302. Which I think is very good. And it was a guy called Gary Craig. He broke the record in 2011 when he donned 211 pairs of pants. 200 pairs of pants! Imagine the pressure at the heart of that. Sort of, <laughs> like a supernova. black hole. Yeah.
3: yeah. You'd think you think he could spontaneously combust at that point, you inside. Think, you think so.
2: He he'll then audition for Britain's Got Talent. I'm afraid I don't know how far he got in the process. <laughs> he lost the record, and that's when he got mad, and he decided to get even, and he rebroke his own record, or rather the, the broken record, in, in 2012. And he said, putting on all those pants is harder than it looks because you're carrying an incredible weight but the crowd really spurred me on and kept me going. And he said, my wife Jacqueline helps me out with this one by getting all the pants ready and helping me get them on, but she doesn't (laughs) like the limelight as much as I do.
1: (laughs) (laughs) um... You know, um, in a previous episode, we spoke about the Festival of Britain. And the Festival of Britain is actually the sort of the origin of all of these Miss World, Miss USA, Miss America, all those things that happened. Um, And it was this guy who was called Eric Morley, and he was trying to work out how to add something to the Festival of Britain, which was this thing that took place in
0: 1951. It was this big event in London. But wait, Um, that
3: was after all of those contests, Yeah, so this
0: was the first Miss World. So they'd already had Miss America and stuff, but this was the first Miss World. Yes, sorry, sorry. I got that
1: wrong. It's, this was the first Miss World. And actually, actually, it was only accidentally the first Miss World because it was a bikini competition, but foreigners were part of it, and they were like, oh, I guess this is a global event. Like, mm-hmm. it, it was just meant to be an, a local event, basically. Uh, it wasn't advertising itself as that.
3: But thank God, because the Brazilians are hotter than we are, so... <laughs> well, it
1: was won by someone from Sweden... Kirsten Kiki Hackinson, and uh, yeah. The
3: Swedes are also hotter than we are, so...
1: (laughs) (laughs) But Eric Morley, um, they crowned the person It's the only Miss World or Miss America or anyone who was crowned in a bikini, because it was part of a bikini round. She was condemned by the Pope for having done it. It was a very bad thing uh, to be representing your country in a bikini. But Eric Morley then went on to invent Come Dancing for TV. So when you watch Strictly Come Dancing or Dancing with the Stars... (laughs) That's Eric Morley. Who so
3: he, he invented cum dancing before it was strict. He put it on TV. <laughs> 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 yes. Casually come dancing.
1: Casual, yeah. Loose come dancing. Yeah. Wow, yeah. really? It was amazing,
0: that Festival of Britain, as far as um, women are concerned and objectifying and stuff like that, because they had a cinema there, the Cinema, and they only hired red-headed usherettes um, because they had green uniform and they thought it would look good with the uniform to have wow. red hair. It just we're, seems un- unnecessary, yeah. I mean, it doesn't it? It was all
2: black and white. What was the point of...
0: What? Everything in the world was black and white in 1951? <laughs> <laughs> Guys, sorry to, sorry <laughs> to cut us off, but we're going to we're gonna have to end the show in a second. I just oh. want to talk about the fact that Andy thinks that the whole world was black and white in the 1950s. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've seen the footage. <laughs> uh, there was an emblem of the festival. Uh, it was a red, white and blue image of Britannia's head over the top of a compass... And this emblem was everywhere at the time. Uh, it was on spoons, it was on cartoons, it was on flower beds, it was on pub signs, it was everywhere. Uh, but one place it was as well was quite amazing. It was 604 gallstones that had been removed from a patient, and they colored them and put them in the shape of the emblem, and then they displayed it at the festival. One patient?
2: One patient? patient. Same person. 604.
0: They're quite small.
2: Right. But, but like just, someone in the audience has gone, yes, yeah. to the news that they're quite small. <laughs> the voice of experience over there. What, I mean, wow. Yeah.
3: That's, That's, what a patriotic man. What a
0: cool to, thing to do, yeah.
3: Shut them out. We're Good only,
0: on you. He must have been walking around and they were just rattling around inside of him. <laughs> oh they? Do
3: you think he was holding them in for the festival? He'd had them for decades. We're,
2: Mr Smith, we're only on 590 gallstones, I'm afraid. We need some more. Please drink this. Goal.
0: <laughs> Not
2: completely clear on the
0: mechanism.
2: <laughs> And that, you
1: know, sometimes, you know, like Oasis, they broke up because I think Liam threw a banana or something at Noel. It was a piece of fruit. Like, you know, sometimes it comes down to a very tiny moment. And in Gilbert and Sullivan's case, it was a carpet. So they were doing a show, and um, part of the preliminary costs that came in uh, that they were charged for, and this was a show called The Gondoliers, was charged for carpet for the front of the house of the actual theatre. And um, I think it was uh, Sullivan who freaked out about it. Um, No, sorry, it was Gilbert who freaked out about it, saying, they've charged us for this carpet. And Sullivan didn't care. And then there was a bit of a silence. And Gilbert wrote back going, I can't believe you don't care about this whole carpet thing. And then that led to them no longer feels like there
0: might have been underlying issues. Well, (laughs) underlying issues, more like. That that was a sarcastic cheer, wasn't it? (laughs) (laughs) That was a tired audience. I won't do it again. (laughs) All right. Well, hey, just
1: while we're on detectives and mysteries with cheese theft, Mm -hmm. I discovered, uh, and I found this when I was trying to look for great detective books, um, that there's a whole series of cheese shop mysteries that have been read. And they're modern-day books written by someone called Avery Ames. And basically, the premise is someone opens up a cheese shop uh, and a lot of murders happen and <laughs> the cheese shop owner I believe is the person who's solving them and every single title of the book has a pun oh in its name so let me <laughs> see who can get there first oh on, on the following titles so I'll give you the name of let's say the actual quote, the phrase yep. and you've got to convert it into cheese so to be or not to be to, to bring or to bring, not on to, to be, be. Yep.
2: give us a harder one okay
1: that was an easy one uh, okay, slightly hard one. Lost and found. Um. This is a hard one. Mix up the word found a bit and you can get there. Lost and fondue. Yeah, absolutely correct. Come on. Yes. Nice. For better or worse. Mm.
2: For, for better. better or worse? For better or worse. For or worse. Or worse. For Not absolutely. for Fetcher.
1: Come on. <laughs> I, would,
2: I would suggest a rewrite with for better or worse. Sorry, James,
3: you've got to think like this also. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Two more, as good as dead. As good or as, as dead. Good, yes, as absolutely. And last one, let's see if the audience can get it. The long kiss goodbye. The long cheese goodbye. The long kiss goodbye. Ah, oh, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm sorry, I chummed a gun. I know that was your turn. <laughs> I know we've been doing
3: all the
1: talking. <laughs> it's a The long quiche goodbye. Is <laughs> I, I didn't even get it
2: right. <laughs> I gotta fuck off for my own. I didn't even get it right.
0: Wow. <laughs>
3: well, it's what you get when you come to Newcastle. <laughs>
1: Okay, that is it. That is all of our facts. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to get in contact with any of us about the things that we've said over the course of this podcast, we can all be found on our Twitter accounts. I'm on at Schreiberland. Anna. Uh, What? (laughs) You you were
2: there. You were there. Andy (laughs) at Anna (laughs) Tuszynski. No. (laughs) Really excited. Can't wait to be joining.
0: A lot of stuff (laughs) going. At Andrew Hunter M. James. At James Harkin. And Anna.
3: You can email podcast oh, at It's a good email address.
1: Thank you for listening. We'll be back again next week with another episode. We'll see you all then.
3: Goodbye. <laughs>
0: Thank <laughs> you.